0: Amen. Y'all, today we are continuing our conversation in the book of Proverbs. If you've got a Bible, I invite you to open up to Proverbs chapter 5. We're going to be in chapter 5 this morning. Um, And just know that if it's your first Sunday or you invited somebody to church today, it's going to be one of those you hopefully can smile about later. So, um, y'all, it's good. We've we've prayed about what to teach and how to teach it for kind of months in advance. And I believe it's just of the Lord's timing to discuss this today, all right? Um, just so you know, next Sunday, as you're turning there, um, at our church property, we are going to have a baptism at our new church property for the very first time. Um, the Long family uh, has invited anybody in the church that would like to, Twelve thirty, twelve forty-five or so. We just, Bubba Harper and some friends, kinda got that pasture cut this week. We got a couple other folks are gonna cut and uh, clean up around the uh, the pond area this week, and uh, try on the waiters. We're gonna do it all, but um, Y'all, I just found it this morning. We've got another lady that's gonna be joining. So we've already doubled the baptisms on the property in one Sunday. So uh, it's gonna be really good. So again, that's next Sunday right after service. We'll invite you to come out. We can carpool over with headlights on. We'll figure it out. Um, but no, just uh, put, that on your, put that on your calendar um, today. All right, y'all, this morning, we're just gonna jump straight into the deep end of the swimming pool. You ready? Buckle up. Is there a buck, seat buck, buckle on the... I'm not nervous you are. All right, here we go. <laughs> We're gonna be covering some things that I believe are straight from Scripture this morning. Know this morning that nothing I say today is from my own thoughts or even the teachings of just this church. We're just quoting the Scripture and what the Lord has laid out. Know that you are in company of a bunch of sinners who are in need of God's grace. God meets us where we are. He redeems us because of what He's done. He walks with us as we navigate through this life together with Him. But we must not, as a body of believers, shy away from the difficult conversation pieces and the things in this world that are being discussed all day, every day, everywhere else, but in so many churches have become completely silent. With that being said, any type of sexual relationship outside of a covenant marriage between a husband and wife, which the Bible defines as being a man and a woman is sinful. We're not picking on, calling out any particular groups this morning. This is for all of God's children. So I'll read that again, any type, of sexual relationship outside of a covenant marriage between a husband and wife, which is a man and woman, is sinful. That includes all forms of pornography, all forms of adultery. I'd never thought a preacher that I heard in the 80s or early 90s in my home church would ever have to include this, but many churches, even in our own town, let's say our town in our country have struggled with this. Any type of pornography, any type of adultery, any type of open marriage, any type of premarital relationship between a man and a woman. All forms of lust, all forms of lust. Jesus took this stuff and raised it, right? In Jesus' day, he had guys coming up to him like, bro, I never had no adultery or anything. He was like, oh yeah, cool, hold my wine juice. You know, he's like, are you serious? What does Jesus say? He says, you've heard it said, you committed act. I say unto you, if you've ever thought it in your mind, you've already committed. So Jesus takes it and he raises it even higher. Y'all, if we believe the stuff that we're teaching in this place, we have to be prepared to know what we're talking about, but also to acknowledge the fact that we're living in a world that doesn't celebrate the teachings of Christ, that doesn't celebrate the standards of Christ or the values of who God is. I think in the world that we're living in now, we're seeing less and less gray and everything is becoming more black and white. These aren't opinions of just Danny. These are two actual facts that I read this week. You can Google it or whatever search engine you use if Google wants to sponsor us, that'd be cool. Whatever search engine you use to look it up. There is a new German series on Disney Plus. Hear this, a new German series on Disney Plus. When my parents and I, when I was much younger, my parents were much younger too, The world in which we lived made fun of a few churches who said, hey, we should probably be careful with some of the content that we're allowing on the children's programming. And the children's programming directors responded blatantly, y'all need to get your act together and trust us. Church, too many of us trusted them. This last week, Disney Plus signed a contract with a German producer that's coming up with a television show or Disney Plus, called Pauline. If you look up Pauline, not according to some preacher from Georgia, not according to some Christian news organization, from Pauline's website itself. This is the content material, 2023. I don't know if it's gonna be here, but it'll definitely be in Germany, probably here pretty soon. Pauline is a storyline of an 18-year-old young lady that enters into a love affair with Satan himself, true story, with the devil. So if a few years back you had somebody say, oh, come on, it's never gonna get there. Church, hear me, we're there, all right? And it's the storyline about that love affair and what it could look like. The Los Angeles Dodgers. I've never played for Los Angeles. I was kinda hoping they'd call me a few years ago if they saw that one hit I had in softball last week. Some of y'all were there. You were there, you saw that one hit, baby. I got on first base, right? We still lost like 16 to two, but I got on first base that time. We did watch the Sandlot here a while back. We exposed the kids to one cuss word that we forgot. We're in there, that's just our fault, all right? I know the Dodgers are highlighting that. Again, church, hear me. I'm not picking on, I'm not calling for a boycott. I'm not saying we should be angry. I'm just acknowledging some things that are in the world around us, all right? Having a conversation in front of some of my friends. My boys play baseball and they love it. And I love it and I dream with them. The Los Angeles Dodgers this last week, right, said no to the Roman Catholic Church. I've never been Roman Catholic, a lot of fun things. Pope's never invited me to his house for dinner. They had some power, you know what I'm saying? They got some clout. Because the Los Angeles Dodgers during the month of June are hosting lots of events honoring different groups. Again, not picking on any group, we're talking to everybody today, church. One of the groups that they're honoring, not just inviting, they're honoring a group that is referred to, I'm gonna call it exactly according to the Los Angeles Dodgers website. It's not from Franklin Graham. It's not from CBN, this is from Los Angeles Dodgers. We are honored to host the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence at our game on this day in June. What is the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence? According to their website, it's a group of men that dress in drag, they don't just do that, but they do, and I've watched a couple of the videos, what I would call nothing short of blasphemous things. Jesus hanging on a cross and they do blasphemous things in the Los Angeles Dodgers, Major League Baseball, come at me, bro, Major League Baseball, when a few Bible-believing Christian ballplayers said, hey, I don't, I was getting a little edgy. You know what they said? I don't care. That's the world in which we are living, okay? We can't pretend like these things aren't happening around us. We've gotta acknowledge them. Why, so we can be angry? Absolutely not. I believe it's so we can be prepared to seek wisdom to seek wisdom and be like Christ in a world that is so far from him. Ephesians 6.12 says this, Paul writes, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I don't want anyone to ever say that. Danny just hates baseball. We signed up for whatever the newest thing they have to pay for to watch. Like we're there, right? We've got to acknowledge that y'all, we're not fighting against people. We're fighting against the devil himself. Second Corinthians 2.11 says this, Paul writes to a church that was living in a world becoming, our world's becoming more like it in Corinth, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan. For we're not ignorant of his designs. If you didn't know this, the devil is very real. He really does hate you and what you stand for, and he hates your kids. Like, that's the, that's the bottom line. And then James 4.11, James, half-brother of Jesus, Mary and Joseph, were his actual mom and dad wrote this in James after the resurrection of Christ. He said, submit yourselves, followers of God submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he, the devil, will flee from you. One thing that has been on my mind, and I believe could break the very heart of God today, is that too many people who are actively involved in churches in our country have stopped resisting the devil and have started setting a dinner place set for him at their tables. This is difficult. And just so you know, not like, you know, I don't think preacher's like, you know what I'm gonna talk about today. This is not easy. So before we go any farther, know that this morning I have no one else on my mind. I'm not calling any individual out. I'm preaching to myself. Proverbs chapter five, verses one through 14 says this. I've tried to find other ways around it, but this is just what the text says. We're just gonna read the text for itself. Proverbs 5. It's like a father talking to a son here. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey. Her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander and she does not know it. And now, all sons, and I think this is just me here real quick off the top. I think we could also be saying like a mother talking to a daughter. Like you could refer, I mean, i was saying like the same, some of the same principles here. And now, all sons, listen to me. Do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. Lest strangers take their fill of your strength. Your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and body are consumed and say how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. If I don't listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to instructors, instructions, instructors, I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. That is some stuff. And I don't know many worship songs that have been written in the last 15 years using this as their foundational building blocks. You know what I'm saying? You know why? Can I be really honest with you for a second? Because it doesn't sell. The Lord is very specific about the call of his children and how we are to live our lives and how we are to do things to set us apart from the world around us. One of the things I think an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable is a bunch of people who claim to have Christ as their Lord, but look no different from everyone else all the time. I have eight things we're gonna very briefly touch on and then we've got a few more verses and then we're gonna pray and then we're gonna go home. One, I think out of this passage and any passage of life, if the Lord was reminding me as a follower of Christ or any of us to start addressing some of the things in our life that may be accepted in lots of the culture, may be accepted even in our own minds, we have to start with this. We gotta stop sinning, okay? It's a simple kind of thing. I know a lot of times we wanna say this is for like people that don't know Christ yet. I think it's also something that people that are following Christ need to be reminded of. God calls his children to stop sinning. If you're currently looking at, doing, saying, reading, hanging out with, partaking in something that God says is wrong, and then coming to church on Sunday, one, you are loved by God. He will always love us. He has redeemed us. But I believe he also wants you to know that it's time to stop. The Lord himself says he would rather us be hot or cold. God's word, not mine. He said he would rather us be hot or cold, not lukewarm. Not like on the fence, like I'll do this on a Tuesday, but this on a Sunday. He says, no, pick a side. Because the Lord says, the same God, this is difficult, church, the same God that says he is our shepherd, he will hold us, he will lead us, he will never forsake us, the same God says, for the lukewarm is as if he wants to spit us out of his mouth. That's harsh, right? Why? I think it's because God knows that people need to pick a side. So we gotta start by saying stop sinning. Two, be aware of the sin in your life. Be aware of the sin in your life and in the life of your family. I believe as a follower of Christ, I'm called to be more aware of my own sins than the sins of anybody else. I think the devil wants me to fall into a trap of pointing out the sins of other people more than he wants me to acknowledge the sins of my own life. I've got to be aware of the fact that there are things trying to creep into my life that may over time become comfortable and become commonplace heard a preacher tell me one time, you know the greatest way the devil's gonna work in this generation? By working on the next generation. Whatever this generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace and the next generation will celebrate, right? Isn't that where we are? So we gotta ask ourselves a tough question. When people say crazy things like, oh, that'll never happen, hear me, pop that balloon, it'll probably happen. What are we doing as men and women of Christ to prepare ourselves in the next generation for what may be to come? We must be aware of the things in our world that are trying to work their way into our minds, into our homes, onto our screens. Be aware of it. You gotta acknowledge it. You can't pretend it doesn't exist because it really does. Three, set guardrails. Set guardrails for you and your household. What are guardrails? you ever been on, hopefully you do it just for fun to scare the kids, but sometimes you might doze off. You know, you get close to the side of the road, it goes, right, the little bumps right there. Oh, get back in the middle, right? Just steer back a little bit. On other curvy areas, right? There's actual guardrails that have been designed by the DOT for the sole purpose of if you run off the road, it's going to mess that car up, but it's going to keep you from rolling down the hill. God wants his children to set guardrails in our lives. Acknowledge your weaknesses. Your guardrails will not look like mine. You struggle with things that I don't struggle with, and I struggle with things that you don't struggle with. We're going to have different types of guardrails in our lives, and that's okay, We must acknowledge where our weaknesses are and be willing to say, Lord, help me set up parameters in my life that I won't fall into the same traps I've been falling into for six months or five years or for some 20 years. Set the guardrails. I heard a very difficult statistic this last week at buddy camp, which was lovely, by the way, with my youngest son. And he didn't share it in this. He didn't use this passage of scripture to share it. He shared it in a much lighter note. But he was talking to the adults in the room. And they said, and this isn't for our kids same for the kids in our church, this is a nationwide study of American children. Eight hours a day, current trends, 2022. Eight hours a day are spent sleeping, eight hours a day are spent in school on average, and eight hours a day on average are spent on a screen. I'm not gonna tell you to smash your screens, we're just acknowledging the world in which we live. Eight hours a day sleeping, eight hours a day in school, seven to eight hours a day on a screen. We might hear that and go, oh my, You know, like there's a lot going on with that. The next statistic, Broke my heart even more. He said, for the average American child, again, not my children, prayerfully, not your children, the average child that our kids are going to school with, the average kid that are living in our US of A, four minutes a day in actual conversation with an adult. Did y'all hear that? Four minutes per day for kids in actual conversation with adults. What does that mean? That means that one, man, I got to talk to my kids more. But two, y'all, I believe it means that we as the church need to be aware of the culture in which we are living. It's no wonder the devil is winning in so many areas when we adults, hear me, when we so oftentimes are saying, here, entertain yourself. Here, take an iPad to your room. I'll call it out. Let's say I don't care if the church, like here, do this all day long because why? It's easier for us to do that too, Right? I've had a long day, trust me, I fell asleep in the chair last night at 8.30, baby. I mean, the kids were making fun of the pug because she was snoring, and they were making fun of me because I was snoring. I'm not saying we've got it all figured out in our house. I'm saying we have to acknowledge this. We're living in a world in which the next generations are receiving eight hours of instruction on life from a screen in less than four minutes a day from adults that they should trust. What does that mean? That means we got some work cut out for us. That means there's a reason why teachers, three teachers today told me, kids are, they seem, it's kind of tough. You know, the school thing's kind of tough. Could it be that some of us are doing a horrendous job of setting guardrails in our households? Y'all, be the parent. Hear this. It's not in scripture anywhere for a pastor to disciple your kids. It's not in the Bible anywhere for the church to take the responsibility of raising up the next generation. People love our church. We got great kids' ministry. We got good student ministry. We're doing all these things. But throughout Scripture, what does it say? Moms, dads? Whose job is it? Yogs. And then yet we have some people, and we can't control our kids, can we? Nobody can control it. But we have some. Kids get a little bit older, what do they say? I have no idea why they turn out this way. We can't control it all, but hear me, the odds are more in your favor if you spend more time giving actual instruction and setting guardrails. You know what your kids are gonna find unbelievable? You tell them to do some, not do something that you yourself are currently doing. You know what I mean? Kids will call like to see it. My kid, me where? Rip me apart after a last baseball game. I gotta ride home like my dad was in the car. He's like, Dad, if you'd have kept your eye on the ball, you gotta hit through. I was like, why don't you? And then they asked for Chick-fil-A afterwards. Like, no, (laughs) it's peanut butter and jelly. This is ridiculous. (laughs) Church, we must set guardrails. Um, In all seriousness, we must set guardrails. Please, please set guardrails for your families. Be aware of what everybody's seeing. Be aware of the devil's schemes to work his way in. Be willing to have the difficult conversations. Know that you're in good company of other adults who are saying the same things. Well, we're not doing that in our household. That's not easy. But no, y'all, we got to acknowledge what exists on the other side of the rail, right? What exists down the hill? Four, got to have accountability. Got to have accountability in your life and the lives of your family. Have one or men, have one, two, or three other men that anytime, day or night, you can call or text and say, Bro, I need you for a second. And they will pick up and call, no questions asked, no judgment, no condemnation. Just, all right, man, what we got? I had a guy in high school, no joke, he called me at midnight sometimes. Like, man, I don't know who to do this. I need somebody to talk to for a little bit. You know, I was like, all right, let's talk. Come on, let's, well, how are the Dodgers? And he's like, how are we doing? I didn't say that really, just, but how, how are we gonna get through this? Have people in our lives that we can reach out to. Women, the same thing. It's not something that goes away after our teen years. We need people who can pour into us, who can listen to our stories, who can walk with us through this life. God doesn't want you to walk through this life alone. He wants you to have somebody beside you Five. Seek discipline by fearing the Lord. I think one of the greatest things we can do is to seek discipline by fearing the Lord. That's something I feel like, man. My preachers in the '80s, brother, they were bringing it. You know what I'm talking about? You ever walk out of sermon like I'm just sometimes I was questioning my salvation three four weeks in a row. I thought I got saved last week. I'm scared, right? But like one of the things, just to be honest, as a pastor, I think that preachers are doing a horrendous job. This is Danny because I'm a preacher in the modern era of American church. Is we're not talking about the fear of the Lord anymore. You know what I mean? God loves us unconditionally, y'all. He calls us his children. He has created a place in eternity. He wants to minister to us in the worst moments of our lives. We serve a God who gets muddy and dirty and becomes sin because he doesn't want us to be alone. He also is the righteous judge, which means we must acknowledge that God really does hate the sin that we do. He really does want better for us. We are to seek discipline by fearing the Lord. So the next time you're tempted to sin, if you can run these through, you're probably less likely to sin. One, try to, try to acknowledge the Holy Spirit that's living inside of you at all times, all right? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've asked Jesus to enter your life like you're living. The Holy Spirit says, my body is his temple. Which means, when, hear this, I believe, as far as I can uh, interpret this text, that means like, as the Lord is living in me at all times, he doesn't like dip out when I sin, you know what I mean? So could it be that when I take my sin to the Lord and repent, he can honestly say, yeah, I know, I was there. And we should acknowledge that. The Holy Spirit that was present when the world was spoken into us living inside of us. Acknowledge the Holy Spirit that's living inside you at all times. Dwell on Jesus dying on the cross for the sin that you're about to commit. That's That's not gonna come naturally. It's gonna be a discipline. We live in a world that wants to celebrate some of the sins that Jesus died on the cross for. So for us to say, Lord, help me spend just a few moments. If you're tempted to do something, you're like, I don't know if this is right or not, ask the Lord, is this something that Jesus died for? And then my favorite is the last one. You just got to run sometimes. Like just pick up and start running. Get away from it. I think God would be a fan of a bunch of church folks that ran, you know, not just in the physical because I need that in my own life, but like in the spiritual of like running away from temptation, not inching towards it. Too many of us are trying to get as close as we can without getting burned rather than running as fast as we can in the opposite direction. That's for everybody, all right? These are for everybody. Everybody. The next few verses, we can do this in seven minutes. The next few verses are just for the married folks. So if you're not married, just tune out. Here we go, like married folks. Proverbs five fifteen to 19. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone, not for strangers with you. This is in the Bible, y'all. Let your fountain be blessed. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, look at your girl and say, man, you remind me of a graceful doe. You know, like just a graceful doe. That ain't gonna get you very far, brother. We hit deer in Buckhead. You're like, stupid doe! You know, like, no, it's like, you gotta change that. Don't change the Bible. It's what the Bible says. Like a lovely deer, a graceful doe. But look at how real this is. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. He's talking to husbands and wives. Be intoxicated, always in her love. Why would God want this in the bible that kids are going to be able to read i think it's because god knew that he was inventing all these things he invented sex he invented sexuality he designed it for the benefit of his children hear this i believe god wants us to be fulfilled in every area of our lives but he also knows that the only way to experience true fulfillment is through his design The devil wants us to celebrate the passion and excitement of many things that lead us apart from God. Whether it's a Netflix show or a song, whatever it is. Adultery, that's like an old school word, right? You don't hear that a lot anymore. it's something that's become so commonplace. I think we sing along to it and watch it and just go, i was fast forward through the scene. But I don't know how often, I don't do this very often, but don't raise your hand. Do not raise your hand. Has anybody in here ever been hurt by adultery? Has anybody in here ever been in a relationship where the other person that made a covenant promise broke that relationship because of adultery? Has anybody in here ever had a parent that is, you've watched a parent relationship fall apart because of that? You've experienced life when a partner who promised to always be there isn't there anymore? Y'all, that's hard, you know? Which is why I think one of the reasons God says, so if you are married, this is for the married if you are married, Man, date and desire your spouse. Date and desire them. There's a fun story of a couple that's celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary on the way, should I say, no, it's too late now. <laughs> After 50 years, on their, on their honeymoon, they decided every time they came together as union of husband and wife, they would put a little money in a jar just for fun. And on their 50th wedding anniversary, they paid cash for a trip to Hawaii. This is how the story goes. Kids, grandkids, everybody there. Awkward for everybody to know that. They said one of the kids went to the mom and said, "Mom, that first of all this is really awkward that we know this, but also, like, what next? <laughs> going to Hawaii, cash paid trip because you and dad love each other so much." And mom said, "You know, I think it's time to start saving for that trip for you. You know, Europe." <laughs> I'm like, anyway, that fell flat. God wants us to be in love with our spouses, church. Isn't it crazy how when you're a honeymoon, if you're a married person, I mean, it was easy on the honeymoon, right? I mean, for us, we didn't have any kids. We didn't have a mortgage. One of us didn't have a job. <laughs> we had each other. We trusted the Lord. Anybody ever experienced a big promotion at work and you're pumped about it and then you realize it comes with another 22 hours of work a week and you're like, where? And in the scripture, the Lord tells me as a husband that I'm to cherish my wife as the wife of my youth. What does that mean for me? I believe and it doesn't have to be exact like this, but once a month, I man, you gotta go on a date. If not more, once a quarter, have a night away. Once a year, do a trip. You gotta be intentional. You're married to the spouse of your youth. Celebrate what God has allowed to happen in your life. Pray over one another daily. Read God's word daily. Spend time with your spouse daily. Send flirty text to your spouse daily. Make her a cup of coffee Tell him you're proud of him. Know each other's love language. Remember that according to scripture, if you're a married person, you are representing the gospel of Jesus Christ in the world. What it's like to be a person who says, man, you messed up. Yeah, you did. And I will forgive you in that. I know, I truly believe that a thousand years from now, I'll still be alive in the presence of God. And I hope that in some way, my wife and I will be near each other in heaven You know, what would that be like to have her say, man, you helped prepare me for this. You helped prepare me to be loved and cherished by God like this. Y'all, it's so important. One, because there aren't many left. But two, it represents what God has done. For the married folks, call your spouse a doe or a buck, however you wanna go and trust (laughs) the Lord, right? Last verses and we're wrapping up, right? 20 to 23 says this. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord and he ponders, the Lord ponders all his past. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him. He is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline and because of his great folly, he is led astray. Church, we must remember, this is again to everybody, whether you're married or not, nothing is done in secret. When I was a kid, we went on a Griswold trip. I was in seventh grade. My sister was in like fourth or fifth grade to Vegas, my sister got a little postcard that said, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And my parents were like, you don't, just put it down. You like, you have no idea what that means. We used to live in a world where we would have cities that were designed for sinful things, where people could go away and escape and have a good time and come back as if nothing had happened. We now live in a world where that exists in all places at the same time. Any of us can delete a screenshot, can delete a text, can delete a search engine. Any of us can make things in our lives that aren't good simply disappear. It's become a cultural norm that compassion and love and intimacy and God designed things can be fulfilled by simply swiping right on a app that was designed to get people to do things that are not leading them in a way of the Lord. God knows all things church and he wants more for his children. We know that God is merciful. We know that he holds all the blessings in one hand, but y'all, he also holds judgment in the same hand. I believe church folks and it's time to repent of anything that is separating us from being perfect in God. Repent from those things, lay them down. Know that God is already aware of everything you and I are doing in our lives and he still chooses to meet us where we are, doesn't he? To offer a cup of cool water, to allow us to become redefined in him. There's a picture I found, I didn't get on the screen in time from NASA, Called a Q-zar. Have you ever Remember the quasar before? You may for NASA in here. That's cool. Quasars are. I'll just read the text. Let me just read it because then I'll do it. Um, in outer space, should have done this before. This isn't awkward at all. Quasars are the brightest objects in the universe. They are incredible cosmic phenomenon that are full, fueled by supermassive black holes. As the black holes consume material around them, they emit. An immense amount of energy that causes the Cusars to shine with the equivalent of 400 to 6 trillion suns, the brightest light in all of the universe. To me, it's beautiful to know that, yeah, we're living in a world that's kind of dark. You know what I mean? There's a world that's going a lot of different directions. But according to scripture, according to science, out of the darkest places in the universe, the brightest of lights is always found. I think this is one of the reasons Jesus said this in Matthew four sixteen to 17. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. For those dwelling in the regions, the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. I want you to know this morning that you are loved by the creator of the universe. He has set a standard for all of us to follow and he desires for us to follow that standard. He forgives us and walks with us as we come back into his path. Y'all, we can't skirt those things because I promise the world around us has their own definition. We must stick true to what God has said and ask him to help us along the way. Let's pray. Lord, today, I do thank you for the text in scripture, Lord. These are not easy texts to discuss in front of a group. God, you know our hearts. You know your children. You know the lives that we're living. God, I pray for us today that all of us would search our hearts this morning, ask you to search our hearts. God, if we're currently allowing anything into our minds or our lives or even our homes that are not of you, may we be made aware of that, Lord. May we repent of those things, lay them down. May we trust in who you are in what you have said. For God, because of Jesus, you know what it is like to be us. God, I thank you that this morning, because of Christ, you know what sin is like. Scripture says, you made him who knew no sin to become sin for all. Help us, Lord, as we trust in Jesus together, as we lay anything down that's separating us from you. And help us, Lord, have a yearning in our hearts to continue to build our lives on the foundation of your word. We thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.